start with oh, a comment. I don't think it's on. It is. I just want to say congratulations to these wonderful young women who have worked so hard to start this masjid and to keep it going for the last two years and to say congratulations to all of us. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Um, no question, because I think your uh, talk was very informative. So now um, I would need to go back and just do research because you gave so much. But I love your, um, and it's just a statement. <laughs> I loved your topic. Um, I love the fact that it was about right and truth and honesty. And I thank you so much because I think, um, I didn't really look around, but I think we were just like there and you had us the entire time. So thank you so much for the, uh, the thought you put into your Koopa today. Thank you. Everybody's like, can we clap in the mosque? Is it allowed? <laughs> oh, salam, sister. I feel so inspired, and I would like to, I don't know if it's going to be put up on the website so we can listen to it again, but if you could maybe uh, post the names that you mentioned and the references on the Women's Mosque Facebook page, we could start, list, we could start doing research now. I thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we absolutely can post that information uh, on the Women's Mosque supporters page uh, for so everybody has access to it. Um, thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. I uh, just had a question in terms of your wealth of experiences. Um, are there any parallels to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement right now? And what you experienced, uh, you were probably just a child but through your colleagues and later on in Chicago with Elijah Muhammad's organizing um, the black Muslims in Chicago and the wonderful projects that came out of it, uh, out of that movement. And I think it could be really helpful to us if you gave us a little bit of that. All right. I heard from... Elijah Muhammad, probably as early as six or seven years old. I can tell you my parents were not a part of the Nation of Islam for one simple reason. We had already been taught that there was only one God and there, was, there really wasn't much that we could do, you know, to change that. Um, but I think I did a paper in grad school on uh, Elijah Muhammad as the um, as a social service agency even because he was obviously guided even though he was not able to come all the way into Islam um, but this man was able to go into the prisons and bring out murderers and thieves and teach them Islam with his level of knowledge and to encourage them to learn more. And of, of course, Al-Hajj, Malik Al-Shabazz, Malcolm X is usually the person that we think of. Um, but those teachings were incredible. And some of the things that he said that stuck with me were things like, love yourself first. Now that wasn't above God. That was just, besides God, there's none greater than me. 
Okay, so that was an important teaching for people who were being told that they had never done anything. They were, you know, ignorant and stupid. And this was, it was a terrible thing going on in this country. And it's still going on. Uh, but he said, love yourself first. And above the door, as you would enter the University of Islam in Chicago, they had a sign that said, there is no substitute for knowledge. Silence is the next best thing. So that was another way of saying, seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. Seek knowledge all the way in China, and of course China meaning as far as we can even quite imagine, okay? So uh, his teachings were extremely valuable in terms of discipline, uh, self-worth, uh, and of course most of the people who have become Muslim in this country, African Americans, actually did come through the Nation of Islam. So even if he didn't, it's kind of like when Dr. King said, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I'm telling you, we as a people will get to the promised land. And I think about that with Elijah Muhammad. He did not get to that transition, but he encouraged so many other people to seek knowledge and they did. So alhamdulillah. Uh, as far as Dr. King, uh, it's kind of funny to me because my mother was born and raised in Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago. When I told some students in a classroom one time that I marched with Dr. King, their mouths dropped open because, of course, that meant I was Methuselah's mother. You know? <laughs> but what it was is that Dr. King did come to Chicago. And I just happened to be working in downtown Chicago while he was there marching. And believe me, people were looking out the window going, this is just scandalous. I don't know what this man is doing. You know, just causing all this trouble, you know. And I'm standing there like, mm-hmm, you know. So it was lunchtime. So I went on down the stairs and went on out and joined the march, you know. <laughs> so that was, and got a chance to hear him. So that is my experience with marching with Dr. King. But I did not march with him in the Deep South, okay. Is that okay. Thank you so much. Um, first, just thank you for being so um, hospitable and welcoming to um, your interfaith sisters. I appreciate that. Um, I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about your reluctance to use the word rebel. Oh. You when said I, about not, I don't, I don't rebel, I... Yeah, she said it was not right. an act of Right, so, so why not use that word? Okay, the issue is that I wanted to move this partition, and I did move it, and I expressed that it, that was not an act of rebellion, I was just remedying a situation. And I think the reason that I say it in that way is because we were in a sacred space. We were in the masjid. I didn't think it was a satanic issue, which I would have, I'd be obligated to rebel against. It wasn't a satanic issue. It was just an issue of what was preferable for the women. So I didn't consider it a rebellion at all. I just considered it remedying the situation. Does that answer your question? Okay. Who's gonna be next? I can feel it. I can feel the question or the comment building up in somebody. 
That energy is in the room. Oh, they'll, they'll get their turns. Could you talk a little more about Kemet, where it was geographically, and a little bit more of its significance? Well, Kemet is simply one of the older names of the region that we tend to call Egypt these days. Egypt is actually a Greek word, Egyptos, okay? So the Africans in, in quote-unquote Kemet did not call it by a Greek name. They called it Kemet. It has also been identified as Alkebulon. We're talking an era of over 6,000 years. So if you think about even here in the United States, names change over time. But the name that is generally accepted in that part of the world is Kemet. So we're talking about from the source of the Nile and going quote unquote downriver, which is going north, uh, but from the source of the Nile. And life grew up along the Nile because obviously water was essential to life. So you can go all the way down to the Sudan border and even further, and then come north on either side of the Nile. And actually, what they did is they built their universities and all of their, um, uh, I, I don't know exactly what to call them, I guess they're sacred spaces, on the east side of the Nile. And then on the west side of the Nile, they had the necropolis. That's where the pharaohs were buried, okay, in the city of the dead. And um, uh, if you go to Egypt and you get a chance to see the light and sound show at the pyramids where the Sphinx is standing there and it's pitch black, absolutely pitch black, you can't even see your hand, and then suddenly they shine this very golden light on the Sphinx. So the Sphinx is actually kind of glowing in pitch blackness. And the Sphinx says very mysteriously, I have, and the Sphinx actually faces east. I have watched every sunrise for the last 5,000 years, and then goes into whatever, okay? But uh, it's, it's quite something to see that there are so many, so many monuments there. It's just overwhelming. And all of those things are carved in almost two inches deep into granite. It's something else. How did anybody do all of that? And there is just sheer volumes and volumes and volumes, miles of it. It's just, oh my goodness. You know. But I wonder sometimes why it was so difficult to eradicate this because successive generations will come along and try to destroy this. Napoleon actually tried to dismantle the, the Great Sphinx and after about nine months of them working on it, they just said, well, you know, I, I, it's not going to happen. We, you know, it's just not going to happen, okay? So you wonder why it was so very, very prominent with these very, very prominent African features. And I think, well, I guess maybe because Allah knew that 5,000 years later, people were going to try to say that the people who built those things didn't build them, okay? But the features are unmistakably African. And so there's no question, there shouldn't have been a question to begin with. You know, just human beings doing what human beings do. It just so happens that the human beings there are the ones who built the pyramids. You know. 
Hello, ladies. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> First of all, I want to say that I'm so proud of my mother for today, for giving a, a wonderful khutbah. Um, and the sisters who led the prayer as well, thank you very much. Um, I want to ask what made you choose your subject today? Um, I know that we have a lot of revolution going on right now with our native brothers and sisters fighting against the water pipeline. And uh, we had the women's march right after the uh, inauguration of President Trump. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, right, thank you, yes. So I just wanted to ask what made you choose your subject matter for today? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I'd like to preface it by saying that the women's march it wasn't just the women over there because this woman and that woman back there were at the march. Was anyone else at the march? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Okay, in spirit, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, but in terms of uh, choosing a topic, um, I think it's just something that needed to be said and I have been doing this kind of work for, well, just about my whole adult life. And I'm sometimes caught off guard by how very many people just do not know some of those things that I mentioned about uh, ancient Egypt. Um, I have a production company, the Egyptian Repertory Company, and this is what we've been doing for 40 years in Southern California to try to research little known information about African and African American people. And um, one of the things, as a matter of fact, but this is not a topic for today, the state of California is named after a black woman. Okay, we can get to that another time. But I have tried to bring this information out and I think it's primarily because this is a very safe space. It's a wonderful space with so many sisters from so many different places around the world. And when I look, I see so many sisters who are so much younger than me. And I'm so excited to see them stepping forward and trying to move in a direction of what is best for us as women and as human beings. And so from there, I said, well, you know what? Another truth is that in large measure, people who come here from other cultures really don't know what has happened with Africans in this country. In fact, Africans in this country don't really know what happened to Africans in this country. So during the 60s and 70s, as people were becoming more aware of what was going on, if any of you watched the movie Hidden Figures, it's out right now, okay, about those women astronauts, uh, uh, those uh, mathematicians at NASA, one of them realized she went to the library to get some information and the library was segregated. There's the black side and the white side. And of course, Native American, Latino, Middle Eastern, they were just not even on the agenda. It was just not, that. Was, it was supposed to be a black white thing constantly, okay, in the deep south. And so she wanted some information on this Fortran program, the new computer programming, and the lady said, well, you're in the wrong section. The colored section is over there. And so they actually put her out of the library. But of course, by the time she got on the bus and she opened up her coat, she had liberated the book <laughs> on Fortran because 
how else was she supposed to get the information? You know, Frederick Douglass had to do a manipulation to challenge other children, little white children, to teach him how to read because it was against the law. You could be killed for teaching an African slave how to read, okay? A gathering like this, the black codes, you could not have more than three black people gathering. Uh, it was against the law. It was, it was, a, it was a, a revolution, yeah. Yeah, so there are so many things that people don't know about the history of African Americans in this culture. It has to be told, along with that history of Native Americans, it has to be told. It is the basis of what is going on in this culture. So if you try to just, you know, cover up the elephant in the living room, everybody knows the elephant's there anyway. So we need to bring these things out, and I especially think that among younger people, as, and especially here in California, where you have so much variety of people, that it, here is where it is possible for us to genuinely know and learn about one another and come together and genuinely enjoy those differences. And that is what Allah has mandated for us anyway. It's real simple. Treat your neighbor as you like to be treated. It's so simple. Human beings make these things complex. Okay. Wa alaikum as I really appreciate uh, the way that you show the oneness of Allah's message throughout his creation of mankind. I think that was really beautiful because oftentimes we do get caught up in the Aryan nation or the Aryan model. Aryan model, thank you. The Aryan model. <laughs> And uh, some got caught up in the Aryan nation, but that's okay. That's another story. But we haven't, and alhamdulillah. But I'm really grateful for the way that you connected us to our history in the perpetuity of Islam and the submission to the one God and, and submission to what it is that he says and what it is that he says for us to do. I appreciated that. Uh, his, history lesson, religious history lesson. Assalamu alaikum, Abrafi, and salam alaikum to my sisters. I want to piggyback to your comment that you just made regarding women and teaching. I went, I was in Africa in Nairobi in 1972. I had no knowledge of African American life. Accidentally, I met two African American sisters who were visiting, and they were teachers also. And they changed my whole life to where I am today from their sharing that uh, when they came to Africa, they had to come back and rewrite history. So kudos to teachers, kudos to the people who are activists. I am so overwhelmed. Every day I learn something new about the African-American and the African connection. But I'm so grateful that I'm in the midst of it. Thank you so much. And thank you for the khutbah. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I I'd like to say, I believe it in the marrow of my bones. There is only one God, there's only one humanity. That means there is a place like that beautiful multicolored lantern with that candle in the center. Everybody is looking through a different color, but the light is still there and we all, 
we know when we feel good, when we move toward that light of Islam, we know that it enriches us. It is the ultimate. There's only one God. So I personally believe it, and I try in every way I can to get that message across. And the history of African people, the history of African American people, the history of Native American people, it's not somewhere outside of Islam. It is an integral part of Islam. If you think about the old root series, when Kunta Kinte's father took him out in the moonlight when he was first born, naked, because that's the way we come here. And his father said to him, behold, the only thing greater than you. And that's what it's all about. There's only one God, and we're all as even as the teeth of a comb, except by ex wonderful deeds that we may do. So that's what we need to build on. We may very well, as I said, here in California, here among women, we may very well be the vanguard to take this thing and make it what it's supposed to be. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Each one of us has been put here for a unique purpose. We have to find out what that unique purpose is, and we have to step out on that unique purpose. If we don't, humanity loses out on the gift that you gave, that you were given, that you never used. So alhamdulillah for each and every one of us. Assalamu alaikum, sisters. I don't live here, I live in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. I'm here to visit my sister who invited me. And I'm uh, so blessed to be part of this group today. In Philadelphia, the same thing happened to you uh, at the mosque. Every time I go to the mosque and I see that black, you know, thing separating women and men, it's hurt me. And also, we sitting back there don't have anything to say. Sometimes we need to ask a question. We cannot ask a question. So we go home after khutbah, have our question, nobody to answer. So I'm so happy uh, we have uh, this woman group here. And uh, the other thing is uh, we're talking about uh, a, is a, the, the country, uh, Egypt. But we have uh, a country in, Senegal, in Africa called Mali. In Mali, we have, uh, they have the first university in Africa, in uh, Tombuktu. If you Google it, you will see Tombuktu, the first university, and it was uh, built. Like uh, the same thing, they built Egypt, you can see the pyramid, they built it in, in, in Africa. So people all around the world they go there to learn Arabic. Even now, it's the biggest school. So Egypt is there, but we need to think about uh, it's another one also in Mali, Tombuktu. We have to do a lot of research and maybe go visit one day. And may Allah bless uh, this uh, group today. Assalamu alaikum. Huh? Oh, and then uh, I will be happy to uh, have you in Philadelphia. So we never know. <laughs> I'm going to be following you with email and, and stuff, and one day uh, you can come to visit in Philadelphia. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. I'd like to make a comment, though, 
when you mentioned Timbuktu, Sankore University, I looked at my daughter, I said, did I forget to mention that? Okay, so I did mention it, sister. Yes, Timbuktu was built around mid-1200, yeah, 1300 in Mali, and I have been there. I was blessed to go. Another sister, Karen, who is not here today, uh, we went and we were just fascinated. I would love to go back. Just, you know, things have changed there now. But yes, I would encourage anybody, go to Timbuktu. I even have my Timbuktu passport. I'll have to show it to you one day. But thank you so much for reminding me again. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum. My dear sister, that was just incredible. It was so beautiful. And what I loved the most was the all-inclusiveness. And it's unfortunate today that we don't have these inclusive meetings and talks with each other. And where, as the woman is the first mudrasatun, the first school, and there's a reason for that. And there's a reason why the woman, her womb is connected to the, to the, uh, the uh, I can't even think of Allah. What am I trying to say? The, the Rahman or the, the Ark of Allah. I'm just, I'm dropping everything. You're throwing everything down. <laughs> but it, we, have, we have, as we know, so many differences in the world today. And these are the kinds of talks, these inclusive talks that can bring us to a, a better standing, a greater mind, a greater life. You know, so I, I just encourage you to keep doing this. I'm very proud of the Women's Mosque. I, I think you've done a marvelous thing. Women for too long were put in, pushed in the back corners of the masjid, I've experienced some things like that. I went to, if I may, I went to a masjid and I was asked to, to give a small talk. And they put me in the back room with the women and the children and, and it's okay to eat with your hands. I mean, sooner, that's fine. But I mean, it just, it, it was reduced to something else. The women are in the back, the men are out in the front in the lovely room, you know. So I said, well, where are the speakers? Where do, where do you go? So I went up front, you know, in the, in the larger part of the masjid. I won't say what masjid, I won't identify it. But when I sat there, then I heard all this giggling behind me. I think all the women found their freedom that day. <laughs> they, came and, they came and sat with me. It was, it was just marvelous. And then when I spoke, I noticed how the, all the brothers, they turned around in their seats like this. That, I said, wow. But anyway, inshallah, Allah gives you something to say to every situation that it turned the brothers back around. I won't share that now, but I just wanted to thank you so, so much. And uh, you, you mentioned Timbuktu. You know, they're uncovering the books in Timbuktu now that they buried in the ground to keep the explorers or whomever from destroying them. So, inshallah, I hope we have an audience to some of these books. That would be marvelous. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Uh, this time I want to talk on behalf of my mom because she don't speak English. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for the khutbah. Uh, this is my first, uh, second time. This is my first time as an attendee. Uh, I made my khutbah on September. Uh, my mom was uh, like this circle since 1965 in Syria. And she is part of the circle woman. She is uh, part of the one who make the, make the circle and attend the circle. So every week, not every month. And yes, maybe you can, you hear now that Syria is under dictatorship or under like oppressed, but until now, the circle is exist in the masjid. 
So it's not in the Friday, but it's before Friday prayer. There is a woman can sit down with the leader, and they can read the Quran, make tafsir Quran and hadith, and sometimes with a higher level, they read a strong book. Uh, and sometimes they invite big speakers from all around the world. They can lead the, the circle. So I want to share this in her behalf. Thank you so much. Alhamdulillah. Okay, and this is going to be our last uh, question, comment, etc. Um, two things. Um, because of the women's mosque and the need for sisterhood and the need for us to have each other's back regardless, um, whether religion, color, whatever, um, I wanted to just highlight something. You you mentioned the scenes from Hidden Figures, right? And you mentioned about the uh, the uh, uh, Fultron book. But um, going on Facebook and folks are complaining that they thought Taraji should have been mentioned in some type of awards and um, as well as um, Octavia. This was my take on this. Um, she saw something new coming about. She knew she didn't have the skills to do it, so she went and she got a book and she learned what she needed. And instead of just worrying about herself, not only did she educate herself on how to operate the machine, she also took 30 of her sisters and she educated them right along with herself so that when it was time and they needed them, they didn't go outside they pulled from the pool that was there. And I think that's real, real important for us to pay attention to. Um, one, about the truth. Two, about defending ourselves and fighting for right no matter what it is. And three, wanting for our sisters what we want for ourselves and meaning that and showing action. I think that is just so important. Um, me, I'm not a a parade person or a, a marching individual. I like to get behind um, I'm, I'm more strategic, I would say. Um, so me, you would never see me in that type of atmosphere. But I'm going to tell you, when I saw all of those little pink caps and, and everybody across the place, and I thought, wow, you kind of blew it there, kid. You really should have had yourself right downtown Los Angeles because I wasn't going any further than that. Um, but I should have been there. You know what I'm saying? If nothing but to tiptoe, put my finger, my foot out in there and snatch it back, but I should have been there. So I think this is important that we need to um, sister up. Like, really, sister up. Okay? Thank you. Good eye. Is the mic on? Yes. Okay. I also thought the Hidden Figures had a lot of wonderful, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about it, but those women had to stick together. There was no other way. And so that's what they did. They helped one another. They, you know, like you said, she liberated this book, and when they looked around, she and her group were the most well acquainted with that program. Okay, and that is why they had no choice but to bring them in because they were the experts at that point. And a little personal plug, Katherine Johnson, the figure played by Taraji, 
That's my cousin. And she's now 98 years old. I got a chance to go visit her for Thanksgiving. She's still totally brilliant, but she was raised in an era of just blatant segregation. It came out in the film. Um, but her daughters are, you know, in their 70s now. And one daughter said to me very plainly, the reason they had to accept Catherine into that program, she is the one that did those calculations for John Glenn and whatnot. Plain and simple, she knew more than they knew. She was a, she's a bona fide genius, obviously, but she simply was prepared when the opportunity came. So this is something we all need to do as women in whatever field. They say luck is actually preparation that meets opportunity. But if you sit back and think someone else is going to deliver your freedom or your self-respect or a way to make a job, as I said, people don't do that. You have to do that for yourself. Love yourself first. Do something for self. And may Allah bless each and every one of you. I am so blessed to be here with you. And again, congratulations to the Women's Mosque and all these wonderful young women. I just want to say thank you so much as we close um, this circle for one of the most powerful khutbahs I think we've heard in a very long time. I also just want to thank you for, one, giving us so many calls to action. So many, I think everybody here has a different homework piece that we have in our minds. But I also want to thank you for setting such a strong example of what happens when somebody goes out and educates themselves and, and really becomes an expert in something they're passionate about, I think that you know, your, your level of knowledge is astounding. And I think it really sets a strong example for all of us in the room um, as well. So thank you very much. With that, I'm going to turn this over to Hasna so she can lead us in our du'as.